You're listening to DAPCON Podcast. My name is Nick Hollands. DAPCON is a non-profit global developer conference organized by Gnosis. We've just experienced Berlin Blockchain Week and it was a brilliant, busy time. DAPCON welcomed developers and technologists from all over the world, gathering for days of talks, workshops, panels, lunches, after parties, many new friendships and collaborations made, projects moving forward. In this series, we talk with DAPCON speakers about the latest in decentralized applications, Web3 and tech infrastructure in Ethereum. And today our guest is Joe Lubin, co-founder of Ethereum and founder of Consensus. We recorded this conversation at the Technical University of Berlin during day two at DAPCON. Libra and Facebook is receiving strong concern from regulators. In April, your Ethereal Summit keynote explored the landscape of 2047. In this imagined future, FANG companies have embraced decentralized platforms and recognized privacy and data encryption as essential human rights. Can you comment on the view that Facebook's Libra is a step in the opposite direction? Is there a place for Libra and Calibra in a shared ecosystem with Ethereum? Are there positives to draw from Facebook making this move into digital currency? So I was quite excited about the Libra news. Um, I was excited essentially because it's pretty massive validation of our space, of all that we've been saying for a long time. Uh, they used all the same words, they used all the right phrases, um, and I, I think technically they're going to build something pretty decent, um, but I think their goals are very different from the uh, blockchain and decentralization space. Uh, they And you don't need maximal decentralization for everything, and I, I do believe that uh, lots of different groups should and will uh, build their own consortia with their own uh, tokens, uh, their own price stable tokens or money tokens, and uh, we're seeing that already. Uh, Signature Bank and True Digital are doing that, and they're actually using it uh, internally with their customers. JP Morgan's doing the same thing. We're talking to a bunch of banks that are uh, extremely interested and now been given permission by the Libra project and, and FOMO um, by the Libra project to uh, to get going with what people have been thinking about for a long time. Um, yet. Uh, Facebook is, I think, their biggest asset and their biggest liability, uh, so it is problematic. Um, if Facebook um, makes use of its position, um, its constituency of 2.3 billion Facebook citizens globally, uh, KYCs them and ultimately probably does link their personal information um, or more of their personal information in, into uh, uh, one package that Calibra, Facebook's uh, um, wallet financial system on top of Libra, um, will use to know us much better and manipulate us more, more profoundly, I think. So um, exciting for the space, I, I think, uh, even if it does go through, and I think they're just because of Facebook's attachment to the project, I think they're going to have a tough time getting it through regulators around the world. Um, but if it does go through and the wallets uh, enable interoperation between lots of different tokens in the ecosystem, it'll um, drive a lot of attention uh, to our ecosystem. Um, but it's also pretty scary politically in that uh, um, it could end up um, 
evolving or, or drastically changing uh, the um, landscape of uh, monetary systems on the planet, uh, which kind of has to happen. So we're, we're sort of moving into a perfect storm with the, the flattening of the yield curve and the inverting of the yield curve. And um, so our money systems are end of lifing and we're going to see a lot of quantitative easing coming soon. And some countries are, are really going to need a more stable currency, especially the smaller countries. And uh, systems like this are probably going to be necessary. We just probably don't want an entity as big as Facebook uh, effectively controlling it because they will become, if not the central bank or a central bank for the world, but, but certainly a central bank in charge of monetary policy for lots of small nations that end up uh, liking the stability of the token, uh, but ultimately being dependent on somebody else. You have a bet with Bitcoiner Jimmy Song from Blockchain Capital and quoting from Coindesk, Ethereum needs to have five unique dApps achieving 10,000 or more daily active users and 100,000 monthly active users for any six calendar months in any 12 calendar month period up to and including May 23, 2023. In your view, what kinds of products will achieve these user numbers by May of 23? What are the most promising growth areas for killer dApps in Ethereum? Uh, well, that's a long ways away, um, and our ecosystem evolves extremely dramatically, extremely rapidly. Um, what we're seeing now is uh, uh, the hockey sticking of the decentralized or open finance uh, space, and that's uh, uh, essentially we've built a, um, a trust platform um, based on maximally decentralized technology and upon that trust platform uh, it seems like our ecosystem feels like the next logical layer to build uh, and in solution space to explore is is the uh, decentralized commerce and finance space and uh, that's happening um, remarkably well uh, so uh, when we have that um, financial plumbing layer for the <clears throat> for the coming decentralized economy in place, then I think we're going to see a proliferation of verticals and applications on top of that. And a lot of great work is being done with the user interface and user experience and scalability and privacy and confidentiality so that uh, we're going to be able to build anything that you can see uh, right now uh, on the Web2 internet. Um, and I think we're going to build it in a in ways that enable greater agency, political and economic for more people. So protocol-based open platforms for different industries. Uh, we'll see private ones that connect to mainnet and, and fully public ones on mainnet or that connect to mainnet. Um, what the actual applications will be, uh, certainly lots of games. Uh, there, there's some great games um, coming out and um, financial applications. We're seeing lots of those things in terms of daily active users on the financial application side, we probably won't see huge numbers, although we might. Um, there are interesting other metrics that we'll see, uh, essentially number of uh, um, or amount of value staked in these systems, uh, amount of value borrowed and, and lent on these systems. Um, um, it, it's essentially a, a new trust foundation for the world, so we're going to build everything upon it. Following on to that, 
what do you think is a bigger challenge for Ethereum over the next few years? Scaling solutions and ETH2 or improving UX design and user onboarding? Uh, I think they're about even. Um, they, they both uh, have very significant challenges ahead of them, but we're making great progress in both directions. Um, uh, we've, you know, essentially when there's a new technology emerging, it doesn't emerge in an easy to use form uh, for the naive consumer. It uh, gets cobbled together by um, the people who are essentially the mechanics of the system, um, people who build the system and know how to maintain the system. And uh, it's a raw assembly of gears and cables and pulleys and um, doesn't have a, a beautiful case around it yet or, or nice buttons that, that just say go or function A and function B. Uh, and so people using the system have to understand um, how to download extensions and what those ugly long strings of hexadecimals are for um, and signing too many transactions because we haven't figured out that, hey, this is a very low value transaction. Uh, there should be a, a set of settings in the application that just takes care of those kinds of things for you and only alerts you at certain times. So we're figuring all that out. We're figuring out progressive onboarding so that uh, you just um, so, so the uh, uh, Austin Griffith and uh, the Civil Project, uh, um, Kirby uh, from the Civil Project is uh, enabling people to just go to a website, um, go to a, a decentralized application website and get their own burner wallet um, built for them automatically. Um, the private keys are resident in the browser, they're password protected. Um, and that's great, that's all you need for uh, a quick onboarding experience, it's painless, uh, the UI is good, um, and if you invest more attention and value into that project, um, then you, it'll be suggested that you um, further onboard yourself to the system and, and uh, set up a, a more secure wallet and identity on, on that application. As someone with your vantage point in the industry, I'm interested to ask your view on the macro trend. In reference to the 80s and 90s with Apple and Microsoft, do you think we currently have the major players already established, whether that's Bitcoin and Ethereum as the big two? Are we likely to see a concentration of a few big players or a multitude going forward? Are the inherent advantages of Bitcoin and Ethereum too much to catch up to over the medium term? Well, well, first, Bitcoin and Ethereum are open source protocols and platforms, um, and one's really good for narrow use cases around money, one's really good for um, um, trusted transactions and automated execution of agreements, um, you know, decentralized applications. Uh, so as protocols, they're, they're important, but they're just a part of the Web3 space, the decentralized worldwide web space, and um, there's IPFS and Swarm for storage. There's going to be uh, lots of heavy compute um, protocols, and most of them are organized on Ethereum right now, where you provision for, um, pay for um, what you need. Um, 
in, in terms of heavy compute. Uh, we need uh, decentralized bandwidth, uh, so there are mesh network systems and, and other approaches. We need decentralized identity, the decentralized identity foundation um, that we're a, a big part of uh, is putting together uh, or has put together uh, a, a great approach to self-sovereign identity so that people can control their own identity and uh, um, essentially lodge attestations against each other's identity and uh, effectively control their own personal data uh, through systems like 3Box. Um, so that's, that's the decentralized World Wide Web um, and it's going to be a lot of interoperating protocols. It's not going to be um, thousands of protocols in each of those niches. That there'll certainly be some winners. And on top of that, I, th I think uh, more commercially, it's not going to be a very small number of major corporations. Uh, I think it's going to just uh, the fact that uh, these systems enable such great interoperability, uh, synergy between different applications. Applications can be much smaller. We can add a new insurance product to uh, the Ethereum system and suddenly 50 other projects can take advantage of that insurance project. Uh, and so uh, I really believe that um, with protocol-based open platforms for different industries, different niches, consortia, that we're um, gonna see a much flatter landscape and um, hopefully no big dominating um, monolithic entities, no um, clear silos, no walled gardens, uh, because that it's just antithetical to the space. I think uh, the space will see that as damage and route around it. Consensus has been an experiment in decentralized organization that's continuing to evolve. And Gnosis has recently stepped back from the DX DAO. And I understand Consensus has also had involvement with the Moloch DAO. What are your thoughts about the creative potential of DAOs for allowing people to collaborate with each other in trustless, new, and interesting ways? So DAOs are great. Um, we were very concerned with the DAO when it first emerged a long time ago and uh, uh, watched with rapt attention, some excitement, mostly trepidation, um, and some of us uh, wrote that uh, we should uh, call a moratorium because this was too early and, and we all know how that worked out. Uh, ultimately, it was, I think, really good for our space. It drew attention and it drew a lot of uh, uh, cybersecurity experts to our space, um, uh, forced us to grow up a little faster than we thought we had to. Um, but uh, Moloch and Meta and the various other DAOs for uh, different kinds of funding of projects are, are really exciting. Uh, Consensus is heavily involved now in Moloch. Uh, Amin has done a, a brilliant job of putting that effort together. Uh, the Ethereum Foundation uh, is doing the same and we set it up, uh, both organizations set it up so that 10 in individual actors would make their own decisions. Um, we have a project at Consensus called Open Law, uh, which has put together a legal framework for uh, for running DAOs. Um, so if, uh, if anyone's interested in uh, that sort of governance for their project um, and they feel like they need uh, the legal cover um, in the United States and they're looking at uh, enabling other jurisdictions, other nation states, um, check out uh, the Open Law DAO framework. Uh, they 
they call it a Lao framework, a legal autonomous organization, I believe. Um, and I, I think every one of these systems, we're building lots of blockchain-based platforms, lots of protocol-based open platforms, and they all need governance. Uh, the Ethereum platform and project has its own governance. I think that's working really well. Um, and for a, a still young project, uh, it makes sense that we don't codify and solidify that too early. Although we did, um, right at the start, hope that we'd build sufficiently mature tools so that we could build a bunch of the governance into the system. So I think we'll get there over time. Um, Polkadot and Definity and Decred and Tezos and others are, are doing really interesting experiments around governance on those platforms. Um, so we'll learn a lot from that. But ultimately, if you're setting up your own system and you want a bunch of collaborators um, operating in different roles on your platform, you need governance. And I, I think we're going to see uh, many of these DAO structures becoming the, um, the governance of the future. DAOs are similar to what we have now in, in terms of um, share voting in corporations and board voting in corporations. It's, uh, I think, just because of the fluidity of the technology, I think it's going to enable many more people to have more agency on their platform. So instead of me uh, using the Google system or the Apple system uh, as a customer, essentially, um, I will be able to use a system of the future that gives me similar benefits, uh, but I'll be a part owner or stakeholder in that system, and my stake will enable me to participate in different roles, and that, that includes governance. DAPCON podcast is presented by Gnosis. Visit dapcon.io for information and stay tuned as videos and content from the conference will be coming through online. Follow us on Twitter at dapcon underscore Berlin. Subscribe for more episodes and we'll see you soon.